now it's just a fuzzy blur in the background. Well, hey, just so you guys know, I started recording just now. So, <laughs> Ken, Ken Mason and Nick Smith. Ken, Ken's image is blurry for all those watching because uh, Ken, as most of us, have something over the, um, the camera aperture so the NSA can't watch us. I do on mine. Well, not, not on this one. This is my podcast laptop. But my other one, I have a penny taped over it because... Uh, I remember reading that Snowden said that they found a way to look through the tape. So I just did oh. a, I put a penny over it. Cause really? I figured, yeah. Like infrared? I guess so. So I put That's a penny over it. I was, I was wondering about if it infrared. Yeah. So I taped a penny very over it thinking that, huh. fuck it, it's just copper. They're not going to look through that. It's Faraday cage, right? So, but yeah, so that being said, Ken took the tape off for this episode. That's a great idea. And no. uh, <laughs> dissolved the plastic and now his lens is all blurry. But... That's the least of our yeah, worries. Uh, <laughs> so, if I had some about two thousand grit sandpaper, I could polish it. Oh <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. Easier said than done. So, what have you got? With I don't just going to start. So, like two weeks ago, they started flying the uh, the new sixth generation fighter to the surprise of everyone. No leaks, oh, yeah. no nothing. Just the successor to the F twenty two and the F thirty five. And that came out of nowhere, which makes me just makes me hope. Do you think something's in the works for the space force? Do you think something's just going to show up one day? Just some troop transport, some suborbital transport? I'm having trouble hearing can? you, uh, Tom. I'm having trouble hearing you. I'm not sure why. You are. Um, that that question was just in general, Nick. If you want to jump on it. Yeah, I yeah I saw articles about that. They they developed this new jet in like a year, which is unprecedented. Insane. Like it's yeah. Insane. Yeah. Like um. Yeah, I didn't read too much into that, but it's it sounds like uh, I don't know, like maybe they're embracing a new approach to developing these new these uh these new planes or something because like that's that's never happened before. Like it went from the from the the. The whiteboard or whatever to to being reality in, in one year and uh i don't know like maybe that was maybe that was inspired by spacex or something maybe they're embracing spacex's uh approach to developing new technology yeah. that's uh because i i've i guess no, like, they, got, they got spies they got really good spies <laughs> do you think we're finally think we're... absolutely yeah uh, there's no question in my mind. I've been hearing about spying from China all the time. They're spying them. Oh yeah, well that's a that's a given. Yeah, Chinese spies. They're bleeding us dry. They are. <laughs> Stealth War by Brigadier General Robert Spaulding is a great book on that. The amount of shit that they steal. But well, because this was so fast, maybe that's the new move to counter counteract uh, Chinese intelligence. Maybe the new move is. You just move faster yeah. than right. You just move faster than the enemy can pin you down because it's the Chinese do this over like decades of getting people to hype up places. Yeah. Ken, we we got to stop our hemorrhaging of our technology. Mm -hmm. We're too open in that regard. We're too close with our own citizens and too open with the outside world. Uh, we got it backwards. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> it's, but maybe that's the move. Is because it takes decades to get people into high level spots to bleed information back to the CCP. Maybe the move is you just we got a plan, got it on the whiteboard, put it in the put it on the test it online, new meta materials, maybe three D printing, 
boom, 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 you get it out in 11 months. And it's like, by the time it's out and flying, you have no idea what the fuck's going on. Maybe well, that's the move. Point there, but we don't know how well it works, though. No, we they do may not. crank it out quick, but maybe it'll crash in, you know, shortly. Maybe the move is... Maybe the move is instead of waiting 20 years, maybe now we start making a new a new generation fighter jet every 24 months. So by the time they get the new one, it's outdated. Yeah. Maybe we just iPhone that shit. Oh. We just start every year, the new Christmas fighter jet. Just, I mean, just, yeah. Just like the electronics, yes, it's obsolete yes. by the time it gets out. Yes, maybe that's the move. Because we realize we can't plug all the holes. I don't see Uncle Sam just saying, well, I guess we lost to China. I think I think I see them adapting. I think the government, the higher up, I think that military elite, they adapt. And they say, you know, we beat Hitler, we beat Japan, we beat the Soviets, we found Bin Laden. We're not going to let the CCP win. So what's the new model? No more of this trillion dollar, 20 year fight thing. Fuck that. It's ready and go. You got 11 months. By the time that one's finished, next one's coming out. I think it's just, I think we have yeah. to adapt, and I think we're adapting, and I think it's fucking beautiful. I think it's amazing. Yeah. End of rant. And that's, uh, that, that's one thing, like one reason that maybe China is going to have a hard time keeping up, because they don't really embrace capitalism. You know, they don't really embrace free enterprise. Yeah. And I'm, I'm making kind of a blanket statement there. I'm, sure. Talking, talking more about their government, you know, sure. but, um, it's, uh, you know, I, I saw this, this video recently where, you know, they just, uh, China just announced that they have a private company that's, uh, doing, uh, um, self landing rockets now. Mm. And, um, and, and, you know, they made some progress because they showed some video of, uh, of these people, uh, you know, flying a rocket to, I don't know, maybe, I, I don't know how high it was probably less than a mile, but. You know, they flew it up there and they and they uh, and they landed it again and everything. And the engineers were just like, you know, they had they had tears of joys in their tears of joy in their eyes. Like, just they obviously put a lot of work into it. But um, uh, I have to wonder, like, is that really like how private of a company is that really? You know, it's it's probably supported by the government to a large extent, and uh, it's it seems nothing's private. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, SpaceX isn't completely private either. You no, know, they get no. funding from NASA. But Nick, have you? Um, no, they were. Sorry, Ken. Go on. I was going to say, no. SpaceX was private until they, you know, started launching payloads for NASA. But you got to give them credit; they did it all in private funding. Yes. Um, yeah. Space Barons is a fucking fantastic book, uh, all about the rise of SpaceX. But Nick, if you have not read it, and Ken, you as well. Stealth War by Brigadier General Robert Spaulding. I had him on this podcast. He's a former B-2 Spirit pilot, episode 160, I think. That book will change your mind on China 100%. It's insane. Everything is stolen. Nothing is private. It's all... It's a brilliant... That's what he says. He says you have to respect your enemy. They're, a, they're playing a brilliant game. But I like to think that we're not just going to roll over and go, well, I guess China wins. No. No, I think we're going to well, fucking win. Yeah. Well, that's all for slave labor there. I mean, yeah. it's, it's a close society. They, they kill their people. I mean, it, to get techno technological advances over that, no way. I'd take our system over theirs in a, in a heartbeat. Every so, day of the week. We could, yeah. There's very few people enjoying that technology over there, believe me. They're using it exclusively to attack us. Yeah. Uh, they, yeah. 
they, they don't like our open system, but they're taking full advantage of it. Believe yeah. me. Yeah. But at any rate, uh, let's get back to rocking some <laughs> of my expertise. Uh, well, um, not, not just opinions. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because we are we are speculating wildly. So, uh, Ken, I think you would be pleased to know, and Nick, you as well, not to butt you out of this convo, Nick. But um, it's today, Friday, so a week, a week from yesterday, so this coming Thursday, October 8th, I'm having on my podcast for one hour, Rob Manning, the chief engineer of the Mars Curiosity rover. Yeah, it's going to wow. be crazy. Yeah, it's going to be crazy. And yeah, I've, I've, I've got my mind right now is all wrapped up in ro- rovers and stuff, but it comes down to also rockets and i don't want to spoil it but one of the questions i have to him that he's going to answer in depth is how just how hard would it be to get a rover to pluto and yeah it just made me thinking got me thinking of the sea dragon you would just need something to just get it out there and just get it cooking yeah yeah well i think the the spacex is a new rocket uh, a couple of those well we just decided uh discovered that it's five spacex rockets to get um, one sea dragon equivalency so we could still do it with spacex rockets my guess is that's the way they'll do it and yeah, do in orbit uh, fueling and assembly uh, of a vehicle that can you know go like a bat out of hell and get to the outer solar system in under five years instead of 10 years yeah but, yeah but we gotta have yeah, a I guess, reason I guess the challenge though yeah so uh yeah, they're, they're gonna <laughs> we got the delay problem going where we both pause yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. mars is the big one landing in that delta river region uh, that, that's got my attention to see if there's any fossilized life there uh, that's going to be the teller if there's no life there then there's no life on mars that that's pretty much the the, the yes or no up or down question uh, so i guess is what life they find there came from earth anyway yeah that's that's the hypothesis. That's what I think is probably the most realistic hypothesis. Asteroid impact here, because they have they have found Mars rocks on Earth, and that's from a massive object colliding with Mars, just blowing the shit out right. out of out of its orbital gra- or out of it, the gravity well, and it landing here and surviving reentry, which isn't that. I mean, because there's they're the two nearest gravity wells, so it sounds crazy, but it's really not. If you hit it hard enough and it gets farther than Mars, the only place it's going to end up go relatively is here so it's it's not that crazy of an idea to think that the inverse happens absolutely yeah. i absolutely agree no no question about it and i think they know that too yeah they got to figure out how to distinguish it if they could do dna testing which they can't with fossils but they may have ways of telling if uh, life was indigenous to this earth or not uh, i don't know they're gonna have to do the uh, sample return to really uh, completely uh, well that's what you know tell that's what Manning says at the end of his book, Mars Curiosity Rover, is that the next step is returning a sample. Because right, right now we have to launch the whole lab, uh, laboratory over. Like, what if you could just go right. get a sample and bring it back? And then you have, you know, you could just scrape off microns at a time. And you could have every, right. every lab on Earth going at full capacity, hundreds of thousands of employees, right? It's, it's a game changer. But, uh, yeah. bringing Muhammad to the mountain or the other way around. <laughs> yeah. Do you do you think that there's really a lot of like importance? Because one thing I think of is like I don't really think it's that important to find life on Mars. Like sure, novel, but to me, I'm looking at it as like 
I mean, there's novel information that would be wild, right? That would have that would have a lot of implications if, if like bacteria formed on Mars. What I'm more interested in is like, can we just like scout a landing place and how to create our own fuel for a human settlement? Like, I'll be honest, I don't really care about like single cell bacteria on Mars. I I, I just I just don't care. What do you guys think? I think it would be a big deal. (laughs) Ken first, then Nick. Yeah. Well, is this what we want to talk about? Because my my expertise is in uh, rockets. No, let's go. uh, Let's go to rockets. uh, Exobiology. Ken, Uh, that's more. Yeah. Ken, you lead the conversation (laughs) because I don't I don't know enough about rockets, so I'm going to have you lead the conversation, and Nick and I will will chime in. I mean, I have opinions about it. Uh, no, no, but, with uh, rockets. Let's get back to rockets. To, to, to. Yeah, let's get back to rockets. I mean, I love exobiology and uh, talking about astronomy. That's a strong interest of mine, but uh, my quote-unquote expertise is in hands-on building rockets efficiently and inexpensively. Yeah. Uh, but uh, uh, just uh, let's just have a nice, pleasant conversation uh, and see where it leads us. All right. Yeah. Uh, I'm not an expert on any of this, so like I'm just I'm just, I'm just basically throwing opinions Dude, out there, so it's that, it's, it's okay. Ken. Neither, neither am I, Nick. I don't I don't yeah. know. If, at least Ken knows about Ken knows about rockets and has opinions on exobiology. Nick and I only yeah. have opinions on rockets and exobiology. We have nothing to bring to the table. So this is we're all speculating yeah. wildly. This is hey, don't worry. This isn't a this isn't yeah. a documentary. This is. This is Tommy's podcast. Take it with a grain of salt. Yeah. It's uh, right. Yeah. I'll, I'll throw my opinion out there on it. I, I think even if it's single-celled uh, organisms on Mars or Venus or whatever, it would be a very big deal because if we can if we can prove that life exists on two planets in this solar system, then there's a very good probability that life is abundant in the universe. And you could look up at the night sky and say, you know, out of out of all those stars, there's probably there's a good chance that a lot of them have some kind of life. Yeah, you know that that would be that would be a very big deal. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I understand what you what you say about like you know, single cell life. It's not that exciting or whatever. Yeah. It's uh, I can understand. It's just um, and and I felt a, the same way for a long time too. It just um, it's if we can find it in two places in the solar system, that's uh that's a big indication that it's not rare in yeah. the universe. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Well. In, right. in, yeah. Well, I agree with that, uh, but there's also, I've heard it said that uh, our solar system is in an extremely unique place in the galaxy, a very low radiation area, and it could be life in the solar system might be common, but not in the galaxy. Uh, that's that's that, uh, you know, train of thought, too. Yeah. Because yeah. aren't we bobbing up and down in the plane of the Milky Way? Like, we're not in the thick of it all the time. Like, over millions of years, we bob up and down on, on, right. the, on the thick plane of it. So it might be... Like- yeah. So we might just be in a period of life right now. We might get cooked every 300 million years right. where it just comes through and it puts us in a... Like Commander Fravor says, air, uh, aviation is a self-cleaning oven. We might, yeah. <laughs> we might be in a self-cleaning oven, man. It might be. How come we can't find any other life? And it's like it was there, but it got cooked, <laughs> and you guys are on your way. Well, it, well, did you read? The, did you read just last week where they did an extensive uh, SETI search of the, the sky? I mean, Mm-mm. the most extensive search in our history, and uh-huh. it came up a big fat zero, not a peep from ET. 
Yeah. Now that's telling. Every every nutrition they eat in the world cannot find even one scintilla, except for the wild signal, which is still a mystery. Yeah. There's nothing. Yeah. Uh, did you hear that story about a week ago? I didn't, but I, I read it. Yeah. It was on Reddit or some. Uh, sure. I get so much stuff, I forget where it's at. But yeah, it was a new article just a week ago. Nothing. Yeah. It's. I think the explanation I've always kind of thought is most realistic, and maybe this is just a projection of my own human homo sapien mind of like hunter gatherer versus predator prey is if you're alone in the jungle at night are you gonna just start calling out for other people because that's also gonna bring tigers and right snakes and whatever if you're out in the middle you're just out in space maybe it's not the most uh advantageous or survival tactic to start saying, I'm here, I'm here, right? It might be lay low. Well, we're, well, we're not doing that. We're, this is a passive search. Oh, we're not sending yeah. anything out. We're receiving. Well, what and I we mean is, received any signals. Well, what I mean is other society or other civilizations might have adapted to say well, lay we're low. About, we're just talking about noise like yeah. us. We got tons of noise going out and radiating out in space every second. Yeah. That's the kind of stuff we would be looking for. Sure. But a, a sufficiently advanced enough civilization might cease all no, or put, put some sort of Faraday, planetary Faraday cage around them. And if they're sufficiently advanced, somehow undo the shit they've already sent out. I'm just looking at it from like... Well, we, have, <laughs> we haven't done that. No, we have not. No, but that's what I'm saying. They might. Worse. Either if they have, we, we think still we think we would receive some signals before they reach the Faraday cage stage. Sure. Or we have, and it's being kept under wraps, and that's the tinfoil hat. I know you don't want to go down conspiracies, Ken, but do well, you... well, there's harp. That, that's a big black hole in itself. Yes. But yeah. Back to back to rockets. Uh, <laughs> are we uh, going to talk about propulsion and? Uh, what were, what were yeah. we going to talk about today? Really, whatever yeah. we want. That's how I do the podcast. Yeah. I just show up and try to have a good time. I don't want you to feel. Yeah. I don't want you to feel bottlenecked, Ken. You, we don't have to talk about rockets. Yeah. Oh well, that's. Uh, I got That's what I have hands-on experience with. That I can talk with. You know, some sort of uh, authority. Yeah. Not not authoritarian, but I can say things because I know I've done there, been there, done yeah. that. Uh, but yeah. it comes to the EXO stuff, uh, it's your guess is as good as mine. Yeah. We're all just throwing out our ideas, yeah. and uh, those ideas are not worth very much. I mean, no. No, opinions no. aren't worth very much because there's like seven billion uh, opinions on the planet. Yeah, yeah, but sometimes those are yeah. the most fun episodes where. You just sit back and speculate wildly, and you just happen to be recording. But we can we can tie it back around. So I've brought this up the last couple episodes, and we've talked about it before with you, Ken, and I know your stance on the psychological impact of it. But let's just let's void that. Do can can we get could we get a human mission to Mars? Could we launch before 2030? Could we do it with our rocket technology now? Not the psychological impact, not the, are they going to come back? None of that. Let's just break it down into quite literally rocket science. Could we put, I don't know, four or five people in a year of supplies on the surface of Mars? 
Well, of course, that's never been the question. We have the technology, but do we have the physiology? Can we get someone there and they'll be alive when they get there? Or will they be functional? Will they not be dead from radiation or have cancer or their bone loss will be such that they, uh, you know, they, they can't come back because uh, they can't recover from the, uh, the effects of zero G and low G. Uh, or, uh, these are things, questions I brought up before. Yeah. Uh, I don't see NASA doing any uh, artificial gravity experiments with the space station. Nobody, not even the Russians, are doing any artificial gravity to you know research. Uh, I don't understand that. Uh, they think it's not a problem. I've seen concepts on the drawing board, but no one's actually doing it in low Earth orbit. Does anyone know anything about that? I haven't seen anything. Nick. I guess the impression I got was that it's uh, it's just a, a big engineering challenge, you know. I mean, all you got to do is spin the spacecraft, you know. But uh, mm. I guess that I guess, I guess that presents some risks. That's, that's the impression I've had of it, you know. It's just uh, Coriolis. The Coriolis effect is a killer if, unless you spin very large radii. And, yeah. Uh, you know, Musk did show uh, two of his rockets uh, with a, a, tr a tether or a truss. And then they get the radii with the Coriolis effect as in a killer. But these still are only concepts on the drawing board. Uh, we haven't done any in-orbit uh, testing with people in them or even mice or anything. Uh, I don't know. They People just shrug it off like well, it's not a problem. Well, maybe it is. Maybe they know more than I do about the topic. But I, I don't know. The devil's in the details. And once you're... On the way to Mars, eight uh, eight months, and then you get there if you get there alive. Uh, I it's just uh, if to answer your question, we yeah we can send whatever we want there, but can it get there alive if it is alive when it leaves? Okay, I I, I have my doubts. Okay, I was uh I was on my phone. I I pulled up uh, questions from the original the original podcast we did back in January, episode eleven, um, and found some of the questions. Um, so here's one of them, uh, Ken. This is specifically on the Sea Dragon. What would what would the rocket bell have been made of to not explode or to burn up? Like, what could we have used? Because it's one big dumb booster. What would the bell have been made of? Like any other rocket, big doesn't mean it's going to be heated more. That means nothing. Per unit area, it's no different than a small rocket. It's In fact, the bigger they get, the, the easier they are to cool. I think we touched on that. Uh, no, where bigger engines are much easier to cool than little engines. That that's a fact. Okay. F one had F one had so much ability to cool. They had to bypass the cooling jacket. About a third of the fuel flow went directly to the injector because they had too much coolant. And it just gets exacerbates as it gets bigger. And Sea Dragon would probably bypass half of its coolant, maybe uh, three quarters of the coolant because the chamber. Uh, it's a, a cube cube root law and the volume of the chamber goes up uh, but the the area goes down and it's uh no the cooling will be a breeze we talked about stability that's more of a, a realistic uh, problem okay. but we talked about how that would be solved uh, with uh, gas injection pre-combustion chamber work uh, the stuff that uh, we did with Truex uh, back in the late 80s, early 90s. We fired full-stage LOX uh, pre-burner uh, engines, uh, the stuff that uh, Raptor is based on. That's all stuff that leads 
to stable combustion. So uh, there's nothing technologically uh, daunting about Sea Dragon engine. Okay, that, that's not an issue that I see. Could it and, have been? Could it uh, have been? Sorry, Nick, go on. Uh, I, I was about to jump back into the whole Mars uh, sure. Mars uh, mission thing, if that's okay. Sure. Um, yeah. Um, Actually, I was curious about this. I had a question already about this because uh, I've, I've read that, in theory at least, we could get to Mars in about 100 days with a nuclear thermal engine. Um, uh, do you think that, you know, if, assuming that's true, that we can get to Mars in 100 days with a nuclear thermal engine, that maybe it would make things more feasible? Because uh, I guess that would be a little over three months of radiation exposure in space. And then once we get there, maybe we can do what Tom mentioned last time, which is uh, tunneling underground on Mars to protect the astronauts from the radiation. And uh, um, I guess, you know, nuclear thermal is something that we've already figured out. You know, it's, we, we've never flown an engine like that, but uh, I, I've read that we can get to Mars in about a hundred days. I don't know if that's true. That's, you know, maybe best case scenario, but uh, that's what I've read at least. Ken? Yes. Yes, the short answer, absolutely. I'm all for it. But we don't have any flying thermonuclear rockets. Uh, we built them in the 60s, NERVA. Great. Uh, we got a lot of nuclear material, a lot of fissile uh, material here on Earth. Uh, we can turn our swords into plowshares. I'm all for that. But we're still talking 100 days. That's a lot better than uh, eight months. Sure. And, and we got to redevelop it. Uh, you know, it's like people say, can we build a, another Saturn V? Uh, well, there's a good video on YouTube that showed that actually we probably can't, uh, not practically speaking. So can we build another Nerva? Well, maybe it's the same thing as an F1 or a Saturn. All those people are gone or, or effectively gone that, that built that. We have to kind of dig up all the old drawings, the materials, some of it's hands-on, uh, hammering a piece of metal to make it fit. That uh, There's not even a drawing for it. It's not as simple as it sounds. We've got to redevelop all that technology. But uh, yes, let's do thermal nuclear, and then we can get there uh, in half the time. Yeah, it's got twice twice the specific impulse. Absolutely. Hell yeah, yeah. It's yeah. The only yeah, I try to look at that optimistically because I've seen I've seen videos yeah explaining why we can't build the F one engines again, why we can't. But my logic is is sure that, that yeah that's a that's kind of a kick in the balls right we can't we don't have the plans we don't the people are all dead but those original people didn't have plans and they managed to do it so why can't we kind of roll up our sleeves and do it that's how i look at it is like let's whatever let's just grab it grab it by the horns and go at it if we could do it with 60s technology we can do it now even if it's starting from we scratch I didn't say we can't do it. We, it's just yeah. going to take a long time, yeah. longer than we might think. And just because we did it before it doesn't mean it's just a matter of dusting it off and making it work. It's going to take as much of an effort. Sure. And you need the the, the, the the psychological drive. We had we had the whole country, everybody was backing it. Yeah. Yeah. There's going to be a lot of people against the, the, the nuclear part. I understand it. I, I have concerns, too, about radiation and disposal of nuclear waste. I am concerned about that, uh, though there are ideas of transmuting elements there may be ways of making the radioactive elements less radioactive we need to look at those technologies okay. and have parallel technologies to uh, to work on these problems okay so hold on nick oh 
you can go ahead. I, I have other questions, but you can go ahead if you've got something on your mind. Um, no, I'm trying to I'm trying to pull up more questions. Um, Nick, so you or uh, Ken, so you've seen the video from For All Mankind, right? The animation, and I think we went into that last time about how it's not entirely correct that it's way too far submerged. Oh yes, yeah. It's um, if you go to neverworld.net, it shows a sea dragon uh, and how it sits in the water, and it it's below the, the four nozzles of the vernier engines on the second stage. So the ballast is what allows the rocket to float at the correct uh, depth in the ocean. Mm -hmm. And that that video, if you if you scroll down to the bottom, it has all the Sea Dragon information, and you can see the way it was designed to be configured. Mm -hmm. Aside from yeah, it's, yeah, I'll it's, put it. It's in. all there. Now, aside from that, that uh, I guess um, improper illustration of it on For All Mankind. Aside from that it being too far submerged other than that was it accurate just the general i don't know monstrosity the the size just the power of it that that general i don't know goosebump feeling oh yeah i think bob would be beyond flattered uh, uh yeah i wish she was here for multiple reasons uh you know passed away 10 years ago it seems longer than that but yeah he would be really flattered to have seen that and uh, to have seen what SpaceX have done, uh, all of it, uh, it would have been uh, odd and would have loved to have gotten uh, involved. And he also would have been sad because he tried to do what Musk did. Uh, he could have made the, the, the president of Apple Computer uh, an Elon Musk. He was ready to make uh, the first world, the world's first private astronaut back in the 19. Uh, 70s with his project private enterprise but no one would put forth a, a simple million dollars to do it that's all it would have cost but as he used to say people are willing to risk their life but not their money there yeah. were people lining up to get in the rocket to be the first astronaut but no one would risk their money and i say no one there are a few people put in some tokens amounts of money to get us some static firings but no one fully funded the project and it was frustrating for Bob and uh, working really closely with him. I, I felt his frustration. It was sad to see this brilliant man stymied over and over again and getting so close and then having the rug pulled out from him. Uh, he, he could have done it. He, and that's the, then the, the, the sad side of the whole equation, but sure. he would have really loved to see that video that, that would have tickled him. Yeah. yeah. Royally. Yeah. It's, it, it, yeah, that is, that is a, it's a tragic thing that, yeah, a mind like that is limited by, I guess, the technology of his time. Isn't it? It's, yeah, it's somewhat well, tragic. Well, right. Yeah, but he gave uh, Wozniak and uh, jo uh, Steve Jobs an opportunity to, uh, to be there first, and they turned it down. So it's their loss. Everyone's loss. Yeah. And it's sad. And if, if they see this video or hear about it, then they have to know that they had an opportunity to be there before Musk, before SpaceX, and they turned it down. They probably know, and Bob, yeah. And Bob could have done it for them for a million bucks. God damn. God damn. Nick, uh, what, what were you going to say? I was just going to ask uh, uh, what rocket was that? Because I think I read about that, what Ken was talking about. Sea Dragon? Um, the Volks rocket. Yeah. The Volks rocket, Project Private Volks. Enterprise. It came under a lot of names. 
But you'll see the testing we did in the 80s and 90s uh, on neverworld.net. It was a four-engine cluster of LR-101 vernier engines. And we had the thing captive fired. It was a flight rocket. We were ready to launch it uh, very close. At that time, we had Navy uh, funding. And once again, the, the funding got yanked uh, just about the time we were to see fruition of the project. So uh, Bob experienced one setback after another. Just when victory was right at hand, it got pulled away from one reason or another. But uh, anyway, the original thing was back in the 1970s, Wozniak and Jobs had a chance to uh, uh, invest a million dollars and put the world's first private astronaut into space. Would have done the uh, the X Prize back then. But um, people uh, just lack foresight, and that's uh, unfortunate. But uh, Musk does not. Uh, he has what it takes, and he's proven that over and over. And he's going to take us to Mars. Hell yeah. I get so amped up. And I love my. I, I think as Artemis, is, yeah, I, I think Artemis is already obsolete. Uh, an expendable rocket using gold-plated technology. I'm sorry, Boeing, but um, it's just a waste of taxpayers' money, in my opinion. Yeah, it's it's, it's Musk has shown that we have now moved on. The evolution yeah. has taken place. We have come out of the water. The thumbs are opposable now. There's no. We no longer need to throw the rocket into the ocean. It's just that's done. That's a fossil now. Yeah, yeah, it's obsolete concept. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The X three Volks rocket. I, I haven't read too much about that, but that's uh, that's uh, it's what he's talking about. Yeah. That's it. That was the first one. Then it moved on to private project Enterprise, but it was still based on the same core vehicle sure. with four uh, Vernier rocket engines, a uh, thousand pounds thrust each for four thousand pounds. They were gimbaled on one axis, so we had roll, pitch, and yaw control, and that would have sent a uh, a man-sized payload to uh, fifty miles or above. Um, Jesus. So could um I think. Ken, I believe we touched on this the first time we spoke, but that was that was eight months and one pandemic ago, so my memory yeah. is a little foggy. How how much bigger could the Sea Dragon have been scaled up? There's no no physical or no laws of physics that prevent it from getting any bigger. Everything is scalable, but the walls of the tanks, uh, there's no real well there's a practical limit how sure. big can you build it uh you know uh, shipyards they built uh, big things that's why bob uh proposed to do all the work at shipyards because they're used to building big things and and handling seawater including steel exposed to seawater you think that would corrode sec or you know real quick and wouldn't be usable but uh, the navy does it all the time uh, you know, they, they have ways of dealing with that and uh, they can mitigate the corrosion issues. So uh, I think Sea Dragon would be a good place to, you know, gather our thoughts and see if we do need to go bigger. Uh, I don't know. I don't see uh, going much bigger than that. When we can't even get, you know, with Musk, he's going to have something one fifth the size of Sea Dragon, but that still has to fly. And we just have a couple of hops so far. So uh, I, I, I believe he'll get there. But, yeah. I think Sea Dragon's a good place to, you know, gather our thoughts. Hell yeah. Yeah. I think uh, a rocket the size of Sea Dragon would be intimidating enough for me. 
that's that's uh, i think i read that the, the the flame like the flame from that would be a mile long the plume right oh. it's the the, the, yeah. the noise uh, I read that uh, that's why they, another reason they do it in the ocean the sound level at <laughs> ten miles would be 140 decibels which is enough to render you deaf if not uh, you, know, you know questionable you would survive at ten <laughs> miles at 140 decibels <laughs> so yeah yeah now I, I did see where musk was proposing to launch his rocket at sea not in the ocean but on the ocean with uh-huh. floating platforms mm-hmm. uh, that i think he's been watching things about sea dragon and seeing the advantages of doing it out in the uh away from the mainland yeah and noise is a big one and he's going to be doing up 14 to 17 million pounds of thrust depending on how many raptor engines he has on the thing so that that's getting up there. You know, Sea Dragon's eighty million, but uh, seventeen million is about one fifth of the way there. Eighty million, Jesus! Yeah, pounds pound thrust. That is. Yeah. 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 That's the Vernier engines alone are only are sixty thousand pounds thrust. Those are the Vernier, the steering engines, and the final velocity adjustment. The steering engines, <laughs> which get yeah. roll control. Since it's that both first and second stage of single engines, they have to have vernier engines to give it roll control. So the vernier uh, engines on the second stage do roll control for both stage one and stage two. All that's explained in the the neverworld.net uh, website. That's that's insane. That's like I saw like a pilot for Airbus describing when someone was like, "Just how big is the A380?" And he was like, "I think he was comparing it to like a 727 or a 737." He was like, our vertical stabilizer is bigger than, like, the wings of a 737. Like, (laughs) just really put it into perspective where it's like, oh, it's, yeah, it's like your main course is like my meat, is like my, is like my snack, right? Yeah, that's insane. Yeah. That's insane. Vernier engines, Vernier engines that are 60,000 pounds thrust, that's like, what? (laughs) The Atlas rocket, which has Vernier engines, they're 1,000 pounds thrust. And its sustainer engine is uh, sixty thousand pounds thrust. That's the second stage engine. So, yeah, the, the scale is uh, hard to comprehend. That because I can't comprehend the Saturn V. Like that's hard for me to wrap. And I ha- despite having videos, I can't. Mm-hmm. It's, it's hard for me to wrap my head around. That, that photo of Warner von Braun uh, standing next to the Saturn uh, first uh-huh. stage. That, that blows me away, and I could see a man there that seen his dream uh, come alive. Uh, yeah. Uh, and then I think of Bob, how I wish Bob could have been, you know, in the, the same, same situation with his hand on a Sea Dragon nozzle and yeah. saying, we, we did it. Yeah. But he's a broken man, and uh, I'm very sad uh, for him. Uh, you know, working with him for 35 years, I've seen him through a lot of ups and downs. Yeah. And... Uh, he had his heart broken many times and I, I just I feel more sadness than happiness for Bob uh, just from looking from him from the inside sure. but uh, he's resting in peace now and I hope his uh, maker is uh, uh, is easy I'm in forgiving him and uh, we'll bring him into the fold when we all all have to come home absolutely beautifully said Ken and he gets front row tickets to watch the SpaceX launches right yeah you, you get to watch it from the sky right it's so someone brought this up and i realized that i didn't actually i didn't i never actually thought of it what 
what was the intended payload or was that not a worry was it just we were moving into the, or it seemed that we were moving into the space age and we needed a, a essentially we needed like a uh, we needed a semi truck we just needed a semi truck and there'll be tons of payloads literally yeah. and figuratively yeah uh, whatever you want to put on there yeah. he was talking about propellant because he knew we would be doing on orbit construction uh, and which Musk is now talking about so they they knew they needed to move lots and lots of stuff even water uh, you know a, a common resource on earth is precious in space so probably rocket propellant uh, he even had the concept for the non-nuclear icbm uh, he was trying to get some funding from the uh, dod where just a chunk of iron or concrete uh, one thousand tons at orbital velocity has as much energy as a nuclear weapon so the non-nuclear icbm would just be a big chunk of concrete that would be lopped at your enemy and just the, uh, the kinetic energy of sudden a uh, thousand tons at five miles per second is well we know what uh, uh, asteroids do when they hit the earth they have a big hole so that was another concept uh, albeit it's you know uh you know to blow things up but bob was a navy captain yeah. so he didn't think militarily yeah but he preferred it to do peacefully of course sure sure yeah that's that's just i i can't help but giggle like a little kid when i hear when i hear th what a thousand tons of concrete be traveling at orbital velocity yeah how do you there's another thing that's just oh hi kitty you that's barely see kitty. it yeah that's that's our uh, our kitty our one and only pet. Oh, I miss I miss my cats. I want to get a, I want to get like a link, but that's beyond the scope of this conversation. I, I could go down into buying like a white leopard or something. Um, Nick, you were you buttoning? Do you got something? Oh, um, not really. I've uh, um, I, I guess I I guess this kind of ties into one of the questions I had, which is uh, is is there still a place in this world for big dumb boosters? Uh, the simple pressure-fed large rockets, you know, possibly sea-launched. Um, I guess that was the last the last question I was going to ask last time, because uh, um, you know, you look at all the the rockets that are used now, or I guess the big rockets at least by SpaceX, um, United Launch Alliance, uh, and uh, all the other people. They're all uh, they're all turbo pump-fed. Um, uh, do you think there's still? Do you think there's still? Uh, a window of opportunity for for big dumb boosters in today's world well i believe there are uh, whether someone will fund it i don't know uh of course musk has got all his eggs in uh, one basket and that's with the raptor engines uh, a phenomenal achievement uh, absolutely phenomenal achievement and uh, i think there could be a parallel program where you have uh, the raptor type engine and then you have the, the big dumb booster but i don't know if there's enough capital investment to to do parallel programs uh, i don't think there will be uh, it's going to take uh, an entrepreneur with uh, the funding to make that decision mm -hmm. uh, just have to see what happens yeah that's so good. yeah oh go ahead you got it oh yeah so so if uh so if i was a billionaire and I came to you and I said, uh, you know, design a rocket for me that would 
that I could build a business around. You think there's some situations, there's some scenarios where you might go the big dumb booster route and, uh, you know, use, use seed dragon type technology. I would, but I doubt there's someone with that kind of money that's willing to uh, card blank, turn over uh, their checkbook. I've worked with a million or billionaires, uh, including Andy Beal with Beal Aerospace. And uh, he sat me down in his office once. He said, you're king for a day. What would you do differently? And uh, I walked out of the office not uh, uh, kind of a little bit lower than when I walked in. He didn't like what I had to say. So, <laughs> no, I wasn't, I wasn't king for a day. Only if it, uh, he agreed with it. Yeah. He was basing everything on hydrogen peroxide. Yeah. I said, uh, well, you ought to consider liquid oxygen in case the peroxide uh, doesn't work out for whatever reason. I wasn't... An, you know, pushy or anything. I just said you need to consider alternatives. Uh, very, you know, pleasant and uh, non-invasively. And uh, he wasn't happy with that answer. It's like there was a right answer, yeah. not a wrong or I mean, yeah. So, yeah. It just it didn't bode well. So I just kept my opinion of myself after that. And sure. Uh, sure. then he wanted me to move out there to Texas uh, to you know, move my family and everything. And I said, no, this project is not going to in the last and uh he it made it to a, a million pound thrust uh, static test uh he did that much but that's a long shot from uh, launching something to orbit yeah so that was the andy beale of beale aerospace uh, experience and then there was gary hudson with uh gch to Percheron back in the early 80s uh, I told them their rocket would blow up if they didn't re uh, put a critical seal in the locks duct, and they didn't, and the rocket blew up for the reason I told them. And uh, it, these things are so frustrating to me that these guys got money, they hire you to do a job, and then when you offer suggestions, and then they don't take it, and then the rockets fail. So what do you do? Mm -hmm. So would a billionaire come to me? I really seriously doubt it. He's going to have a bias already coming in. Yeah. And. Uh, uh, that's my personal experience. Uh, other people may have uh, different experiences, and that's that's fine. Yeah, but that's my experience. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, yeah. King for a day as long as I like it. Or like Bill Hicks, the comedian, used to say, "You yeah. you are free to do as I tell you." <laughs> it's uh, to yeah. Do as I, yeah to, you are free to do as I say. Yeah. Okay, all right, you know. Right. So yeah, that's basically it. Um, yeah, that's basically it. That show. Yeah. Um, that that kind of got me to Nick to go from what you were saying, is, it's because, again, I, it's a great book. I think I think the guy's name is it's Davenport. I think it's Christian Davenport. I could be wrong. The author of Space Barons. I, I highly 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 recommend that book. It's a great audio book, um, but he explains really how, um, just how different Musk and Bezos are in their approach, to to um, public appearance, to general uh, chasing a goal, how they do it. You know, one is sort of throw everything at the wall and, you know, you p put a cinder block on the gas pedal, that's Musk. Bezos is more of like, you put it all out. It's more of like a military operation. You just creep forward an inch at a time with like less than 1% chance of failure. Um, so he's this very slow, meticulous, just like a grinding wheel, whereas Musk is more like a, a bottle rocket strapped to like a skateboard just like fuck it let's go um do you think that bezos yeah. could or would maybe consider 
his own thing since a lot of it there is a there is a well not tangible but there seems to be a tangible value to that that self-landing rocket ship that you know that outward elon musk eccentric you know he's on twitter he's crazy he's on joe rogan smoking pot do you think bezos could steal his thunder or create his own thunder literally and figuratively by going okay let's not do the self-landing rocket let's do the sea dragon let's do the sea monster make it you know a hundred million pounds 200 million pounds do you think or even just the original the 80 million pounds because you know that's not enough do you think bezos could do that and would sorry i know this is like a nine-part question and would bezos do that is there a point at which the seed dragon being disposable is like we talked about earlier artemis already being outdated because it's disposable and musk has made it a fossil is there like a point on the graph where sea dragon is still um a better option than reusable like at a certain amount i know that was like a 50 part question so pick a part and pick any piece of that you want i just focused on the beginning about uh, bezos what's he up to he's got to be getting money from somewhere because he's not doing anything openly uh, i see things on tv that he's storing metamaterials ufo uh debris uh, and warehouses i don't know uh, you know he's, he's getting his money from somewhere and it's covertly amazon uh, well that but i mean he's, he's spending a lot of it on rockets it's got to be delivering something and uh, i don't see it delivering much it's really you you see what i see i don't have any uh, insight no. info so i don't know what he's up to uh, i'm personally bored uh, yeah. with his stuff uh, it's. I'm not even. I don't even care for hydrogen as a first stage fuel anyway. So you lost me early on. Yeah. Lost my interest. But, yeah. Uh, and he was doing this uh, uh, space tourism. That's another dead end. There's yeah. not a lot of money in it's it. Not, I think yeah. these guys are realizing it. That's why uh, Musk is now launching satellites, not people. Yeah. 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 He he said so himself. That's there's no, uh, no secret there. Yeah. So I don't know what Bezos. Is too you know he fished some uh, f1s out of the ocean that was pretty cool yeah i said that years ago so should fish them all out because there's a lot of gold in them from the brazing alloy yeah i calculated there's like 80 million dollars in gold and all the f1s at the bottom of the atlantic ocean but it may cost 80 million dollars to get them all off the bottom uh, yeah i don't know uh, but back to Bezos I, I don't know and I don't personally care uh, sure. Musk has got my full attention and I, I, I applaud him he's doing great and uh, yeah, I think he needs to address the artificial gravity uh, problem because I think it's a bigger problem than they think sure yeah it's, and um... then the radiation's another, the other part of the equation once they get to Mars they got lava tubes uh, back to you way back early on in the conversation tunnels there are lava tubes on Mars that that's where they'll go and uh, protect themselves from radiation and maybe pressurize these tubes if they're if they can pressurize them or seal them mm -hmm. uh, they would be self-made uh, already made habitats mm -hmm. there's a lot of a lot of stuff to do before we get on Mars a lot of stuff yeah it's um in in a high, I might I might actually assign homework to you guys to read Space Barons because they go into the whole uh the whole I guess anomaly of not anomaly the whole mystery of Bezos and just how secretive he is that's like that's not like it's not an accident it's like oh, they go far out of their way to make Blue Origin very shrouded 
and uh, distant and remote in everything they do, from the materials they buy to their tests, everything is they go very far out of their way. It's not so it's not just that they're not open like Tesla or SpaceX is. They actually go in the opposite direction. They spend money to keep it just quiet. I don't, I don't care for people who are secret. If they have something to hide, uh, then there's something wrong. Yeah. They, they, there's something nefarious going on, and uh, I don't care even to know. Uh, they just stay away from them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, the smartest, yeah, the smartest move is to not play. Just stay away from them. Yeah. Yeah. That's what they want. So be it. It's his money. Let him sure. do what he wants with yeah. it. Yeah. But uh, my intentions on Musk and uh, applaud him and his successes, and I wish him the best. Uh, I just would like to see more dressed to human space flight, since that's what it's what they're all doing. Yeah. What they're talking about. Yeah. And, uh, I don't want to see astronauts get to Mars and they're a miserable mess and they can't do the mission and they can't come back. I mean, they got eight eight months to come back. We talked about this in an earlier podcast. About having an escape pod uh, where someone freaks out on the way there, they at least know they can get back to Earth if, if something happens. Um, I think psychologically that would be a good thing. I could be totally off in left field too. Uh, there's some people just uh, willing to do some pretty bizarre things. But eight months, once that engine cuts off to a trans Mars injection, there's no turning back. It's here with the program. And you got to know that's got to be going through their minds. Yeah. And uh, I, I don't sign me up, and I know they're not. I'm, I'm too old anyway. But I don't know. Um, the uh, thermoelectric, I mean, thermonuclear, absolutely, uh, that makes sense. But there's uh, the environmental issues. Uh, I don't know if it uh, can be done just because of uh, resistance from certain groups of people. And for good reason, uh, you know, nuclear energy is dangerous. So uh, I just say let's go with uh, what's working and uh, let's see what Musk uh, delivers. And he's been doing really good. So uh, I wish him the best. Yeah, I, I guess we don't have to wait very long because uh, they're going to launch uh, four astronauts on Halloween. What? SpaceX. Uh, yeah, SpaceX is going to launch four or more astronauts on Halloween. Oh, uh, three shit. Three Americans, one Japanese. Oh, shit. What time? Yeah. What time? Do you know? Uh, I don't know what time, but I just heard it's on, I guess it's on Halloween, you know, the 31st, so. You should look up uh, the time. We should do an episode. Yeah, that, that would be is fun. It to the, is it to the space station or just an orbital mission? Uh, to the space station, yeah, pretty sure. Oh, shit. I'm going to yeah, look it up right those now. Missions don't, those missions don't excite me at all. That's just another up and down around and around going around the block again same scenery uh, I, I am totally uninterested in that i want to see something new all right like, you know going out there and launch artificial gravity uh machine or something something new not the yeah. same old scenery i get bored easy i want something new it's like seeing the same movie again yeah. i want three runs of star trek too but you know the ending every time so let's see a new movie and some popcorn while we're at it yeah. All right. Well, I I'm guess sorry. I'm sorry. I don't mean to pop your bubble, but it doesn't excite me. No, I love it. I but love I was... the honesty. I love the fucking honesty, Ken. I, I, uh, I love that more than the idea of the episode. I love okay. just the, nah, I don't care. I love that more than anything. <laughs> I think it's really cool just the fact okay. that a private, co- that a private company is doing it. Sure. You know? I mean, sure. E- even though they're getting some government funding, okay. I think it's, I think private, private space exploration is the future. So I, I like it. Sure. Oh. 
Yeah, that part is. Yeah, that that is true. Yeah. And I hope it's a means to an end. And I hope there's something, another thing to unfold after that. That there is a uh, on orbit, uh, you know, SpaceX rocket with Raptor engines in orbit. That'll be the new space station. I hope that's what we can be excited about. Yeah. Uh, maybe two years from now. Maybe a year from now. I want to see that. Maybe do uh, that. Uh, at sixty thousand foot hop. That's yeah. what I'm waiting for. That's oh, gonna yeah. excite me. Yeah. When is anybody that? here when that's going? I was about to say, yeah. Um, are they gonna want? Yeah, I don't think they know exactly, but I've. I guess it's gonna be sometime soon. I actually sent. Uh, I sent Tom a, an animation of that earlier, of of how it's gonna how it's gonna unfold, and it was. It looks really impressive. Oh, yeah. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's that's hopefully I, in the next few weeks. That'll excite me many, many orders of magnitude more than launching some guys into orbit. Yeah, yeah, I definitely see where you're coming from, Ken. It is, it's the old, it's the trick that we've been doing for 30 years, the same magic trick. But I see Nick's point. You know, if it was just NASA doing this or the ESA or whoever doing it, I think I would be a little bored. But because it's SpaceX, I know that this is just a stepping stone. This is just... You know, just like but, launching a car into orbit and then launching two guys, now launching four. It's so even though the space station is not sexy that we've done it, it's exciting because I know that this is a huge step for SpaceX and that they're not going to slow down. But, but SpaceX already launched people to the space station, sure. so this is nothing new. Is what I'm saying. Yeah, like us, us Americans, already we want to go see a new movie. What, what's what's playing at the theater? That, yeah. that, we already saw that. Yeah. it's just a variation. Chucky, does, you know, Chucky does this or that. You know, it's you know, how many which ways can he chop somebody yeah. up? Yeah, you know, but I want to see something new. And uh, watching that, uh, that uh, the Raptor engines uh, do something. I mean, that that's exciting stuff. And I'm looking forward to that sixty thousand f- uh, foot or whatever, whatever the next mission is. That's I'm really looking forward to. And then going to orbit. Then now we're talking. Yeah, now we're talking. Yeah, those were things that excite me. Yeah. I, 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 I get bored easy. I'm sorry. No, it's that's, that, that's that's what drives this shit forward. Being content yeah. that doesn't drive anything forward. It's the un, it's the unre, it's the restlessness. It's um, yeah, it's. But again, to be devil's advocate, is sure they're doing it again, but they're increasing the number of people by a hundred percent, two to four. I I just again, if it was anyone else, I'd say like I don't care. But if it's SpaceX, I look at it as like, I know that this is just, this is all on the same spectrum of, of us, you know, from the first one landing upright on a barge to us landing on Mars. I know that this is one of the steps. This is one of the rungs on the ladder. So that's what I'm excited for. Just like the 60,000 foot test will be another rung. That's what I'm excited for is I know it's, you get what I'm saying? Like, I know it's, if they plateau, I'll be aboard. But four people, that is double the last. Maybe the next one will be more. That's what I. That's what I'm hoping for. Yeah, and I agree uh, that there is a degree of newness to it, but it's not a, a giant leap. It is an incremental step, and Musk is more the kind of guy that does leaps, not, yeah. not baby steps. Yeah. But, but when men, uh, human life is involved, uh, then I guess is where you do the the baby the baby steps. Yeah. So uh, yeah, uh, that's great, and that's good news, and uh, I hope we see both uh, that uh, launch and uh, also a, a sixty thousand foot hop with the the Raptor powered vehicle. That's uh, the two things to look forward to.
we should uh we should find out what time that launch is and do it during the launch do an episode during the launch and we can pull it up and watch it yeah would you want to do yeah. that nick i don't i can if it doesn't excite you i don't want i don't want to force you to be there but i, I think i think uh, you should be there no i'll watch it I, I love watching rockets they never get old hell yeah uh, that, that's always exciting especially seeing private industry launching rockets and i want i actually like watching them land more than watching them yeah launch. i like it equal equal like watching them land and launch so that's both uh, extremely uh, very fascinating yeah we'll have to nick this yeah. nick this is our long-term project we have 30 we have 29 days let's mm -hmm. let's figure out how we're gonna we figured this out we figured out getting us three on here i feel like we figured it out this is our apollo 13 yeah. we, our next yeah. our next baby step our next incremental baby step is uh -huh. just like musk our next step is let's see if we can do it while also pulling up the launch to where we can all watch it. I'll pull it up on the screen. Mm. Nick, we have 29 yeah, days. Cat. And your cat. Your cat, cat will be there too. It, it food. <laughs> Fucking me. I think I got to go and feed her. All right. Well, um, yeah. I, mean, I, I got, uh, if, if anyone knows how to fix my lens, let me know. I, I got to fix it. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. I, I didn't know. I'm, I'm seeing... I should have known it was plastic. I didn't think it just looked like glass sitting there, and I put acetone on it to get rid of the adhesive. And I, oh man, they probably use plastic. Absolutely. Can Can yeah. what a do you have a laptop or do you have a desktop? It's a laptop. All right. We HP. should. Uh, all right. I don't know. I don't know if you can replace those or not. Uh, it's, probably it's probably cheap. Just... Yeah, I don't know. I don't know, Nick. Let, we'll see what sure. we can do. Um, but Nick, yeah, I'll I'll text you after this. So let's start. Let's start putting together how we're going to build the 31st episode, the ep uh, the Halloween episode. Yeah, yeah, I, I would like that. Be Fuck yeah. We will do it not because it is easy, but because it is hard. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, the, the only risk is that, you know, like maybe the weather wouldn't cooperate, so we might be sitting there for like three hours, like, like waiting bunch, like for them to launch. a bunch of morons. Uh, well, you know what? Yeah. Well, you know what? That's part of the risk. Yeah, that's part of the risk. We'll, we'll show up. Yeah, they need up. to find a different launch site where there isn't such bad weather. Yeah, yeah. maybe maybe Texas. Uh, I don't know if it's any better there. It's still near the Gulf, but uh, this thing with the weather just always has been irritating. Yeah, you gotta be near water. Yeah, yeah. It's a weird. So, yeah, it's know. like we're going, we're moving into like a spacefaring species. But oh, watch out for the clouds. <laughs> Yeah. Well, you see that now, now going back to Sea Dragon, the, the beauty of it, amongst many things, is you can go launch anywhere there's water. And of course, the equator is where you want to launch to yeah. take advantage of those rotations. Yeah. Well, you can also find a place yeah. where weather is not really bad, like the uh, the convergence zone at the equator. There's usually uh, the uh, doldrums. There's usually not much going on there. So there's a lot of reasons to launch from the ocean at the equator. Yeah. All right, well, Ken, I'll let you yep. go. Uh, I'll let you go feed your cat, and uh, so I guess we'll wrap this one up. Uh, Nick, I'll text you after yep. this. Well, I got to go to work right now, so I'm, I'll be. I'll, I'll have time. I'll text you, but let's uh, let's start piecing this bitch together. We're gonna be building our own Saturn V. See if we can do yeah, it. Well, I, right now I'm working yep. with a Texas high school to build a uh, Lox kerosene rocket. Oh uh, yeah. One, oh yeah. One point five thousand pounds of thrust. And uh, I've got to get on the podcast with them, uh, like after I'm done here. Busy so, yeah, man, Ken Mason, busy man. So Going to be a launching a rocket, and a launch kerosene, and it's a high school group, yeah. so that is exciting. Oh, Nick, did I and tell you about that? 
We'll launch it at the far site, Friends for Amateur Rocketry, down in uh, the Mojave Desert. Hell yeah. So I'm Nick. sure people can be invited to, to watch that. It's just a small rocket. It'll go about maybe, uh, I think, 50,000 feet. But it'll be a, a group of high schoolers. So Hell yeah. That's, uh, that's cool because they're the future rocket people. Nick, did I tell rocket you about that? Yeah, Ken told me a little bit about that just before this. Uh, uh, that's that's incredible. I wish I would have. I wish I could have done stuff like that in high school. Start up now, wow. Nick. We've talked about this. Stop wishing for the past. The past isn't changing, so we're going to start changing now, all right? Don't make don't make me scold yep. you in front of Ken. But this yep. this kid messaged me on Reddit, and he was like, hey, like I, on like the Reddit account, I don't use a lot, Tommy's podcast, and which is stupid. I should be using that all the time. But he was like, hey, like I loved your Ken Mason episode. I was like, oh, cool. He's like, yeah, we're shooting our own rocket. I was like, that's awesome, man. And he goes, how do I get in touch with them? Because I think, like, the guy that's, like, supporting their thing, like, sort of, like, their, I guess, I don't know, leader, he was, like, he worked with Ken back in the 80s. And I was like, what the hell? So, yeah, I put them in touch. And uh, I guess I guess Ken is now Ken is now wow. a wanted man. Don't forget us when you don't forget Who's us that? when you make it, Ken. Who are you? Who are you talking to? It was the when I remember when I sent you a couple weeks ago, and I said that someone wanted to contact you. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's yeah the, it's that the, was George. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the group of high school yeah. kids. Yeah, it's yeah. George Morgan. That was goes back to the eighties. Uh, we uh, when I lived in Southern California, it's when I got my uh, class one rocket pyro license with Nels Anderson. Uh, those are the folks. I hadn't seen them since that was like I say late 80s so uh, yeah these these are some high school folks uh, that was when I was building rockets in high school we had a machine shop these gentlemen don't have the advantage of a machine shop at their school but they uh, are gonna get uh, some help from some local places in uh, I think they're near Houston yeah. or is it Dallas or I get Houston and Dallas mixed up for some reason Ken Mason but, uh, is now, yeah, he's uh, now a superstar these are future rocket engineers, uh, so I can uh, anything I can do to help them. Uh, and I'll, I'll, I'll donate it. It's wonderful to see young folks doing some real rocket work. Well, hell yeah! I mean, look what happened, man. You uh, did I'd this like podcast, yeah. Ken did this podcast, and then those kids reached out to me. So it's all it's snowballing. It's Ken is now a wanted man. He's a superstar. He doesn't have enough time for us little guys. Don't forget us when you make it, Ken. Don't forget me and Nick. Yeah. I yeah. never, I never forget people that help me. Uh, if I forget, it's just my uh, decomposing brain. Uh, getting getting old is not uh, the most glamorous thing, but I've been drinking de uh, deuterium depleted water lately, and that seems to be helping a little bit my vision. And I lost thirteen pounds oh, in three shit. weeks. So oh shit! I, I might be on to something. Uh, deuterium de depleted water—that's the uh, cause of uh, aging. So. Uh, think about that well ken mason might have solved aging on tommy's podcast Fuck not yeah. me not me actually bob truex told me about it uh, back uh, 40 years ago he said you know i heard that deuterium oxide uh, may be what causes aging and i go oh really i go cool and then that was it never heard it from him since uh but it appears to be uh, a fact and we could do a podcast on that by itself let's do that so, let's do a deuterium oxide episode or do, do deuterium do your depleted. own research okay. Uh, okay everyone do your own research okay deuterium depleted water ddw okay it's fascinating people who get that depleted water in nature from high uh, glaciers they live to be uh, 160 uh, yeah. i mean the, the it's empirical data is there people in the uh, antarctic 
uh, depleted water is natural and in the Antarctic ice, they live 10 years older than the average uh, person that doesn't uh, work at the Antarctic. So uh, the, the facts are in, it's just a matter of, uh, you know, doing some empirical data up here yeah. in the, uh, you know, northern latitudes. Well, hell yeah, we've got a lot so, yeah. on our plates. Ken right Mason, there. Nick Smith. It's kind of blurry, but right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, yeah. that's been a pleasure. Thank you for uh, having me. I, I appreciate it immensely, and I hope uh, we can do some more stuff in the future. Thank you, Thank you very much, Ken. And uh, put it on yeah. your calendars, boys, because we're aiming for a Halloween episode. All right. Yeah. You got twenty nine days to prepare. Yeah. By the end and, of uh, the, by the end of this month, what is the JFK? By the end of this decade. By the end of yep. this month, we will do a, an episode on Halloween, not because it is easy, but because yeah, it is well, hard. Well, we have a blue moon this year, uh, this month, uh, two uh, full moons in the same month. So uh, one, one today, or one was actually in the first yesterday, and another one on Halloween, the 31st. So maybe they'll launch on the next new moon, or full Ooh. moon. Ooh. The stars are aligning. Yep. The stars are aligning. Nick Smith, yep. Ken Mason. Yep. Thank you for your time, right. everybody. Bye-bye, gentlemen. Stay Thank safe. You. God bless you. God yeah. bless. Stay safe. Nick, I'll text you right now. All right, buddy? All right. Yeah, thanks, Ken. Thanks, Tom. It was a privilege. All right, buddy. Take it easy. All right. Peace. Yep.